What you're about to hear might sound like gibberish. But if you listen closely, you'll realize they're all saying the same thing. As if they're speaking their own language. This is the common tongue of the Visco Girl. When did Visco Girls come onto your radar? Okay, so Visco Girls came into my radar, I want to say April or May, I started seeing the hashtag and people just sort of casually hashtag thing Visco Girl. Lauren Strapgale is a breaking news reporter at BuzzFeed, and she also writes a lot about internet culture, including the Visco Girl craze. What is the Visco Girl and their aesthetic? Yeah, so a Visco Girl is like it's a basic girl. They shop at Brandy Melville. They wear oversized t-shirts. I'm only allowed to wear big t-shirts so that it looks like I'm not wearing pants. They wear Birkenstocks or Crocs. They carry a Hydro Flask water bottle. Yeah, this is a new Hydro Flask. But you don't have one? They also use metal straws instead of, you know, picking up plastic ones. So I got a metal straw. You don't have one? That's fine, because I have like 20. Do you want some? Here, you can have it. Oh, and scrunchies. Scrunchies are very important, not for your hair, but to wear on your wrist. Oh my god, why don't you have any scrunchies? Here, you can take one of mine. There you go. And I The Visco Girl has become a trend, a fad, a subculture. There are now hundreds of videos online that have millions of views, all about Visco Girl things. I thought it'd be super fun to have like a Visco Girl sleepover. How to become a Visco Girl. If you guys didn't know, I did a Visco Girl video where I transformed into a Visco Girl. But if you really listen to what they're saying, and specifically how they're saying it, to some it might sound like they're taking the piss. Speaking of stickers, why don't you um, take these that I ordered from Redbubble and, and you can um, take them yourself. You know what? Do you have an Apple Watch? Here, you can have one of mine. There you go. <laughs> to people who might be unfamiliar with Visco Girls, how do you think it comes off to them? I think it might come off a little... Oh, that's actually a really good question because I feel like I'm so immersed in it now. I don't know how the normie sees it but i think it kind of comes off as um a bit random a bit goofy a bit thoughtless when in fact it's very carefully crafted today while the visco girl has blown up leaving a lot of people puzzled along the way you'll learn this craze isn't anything new. And while it may sound like nonsense, you'll hear why in the internet age, the Visco Girl actually makes complete sense. And I oop, and I oop, and I oop, 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 and I oop, and I oop, and I oop, oop, oop. This is Think Digital Futures. I'm Jake Morecambe. And I oop, and I oop. First, 
I had to ask Lauren. I'm sure you've seen where they're going like, and I oop, and I oop, and I oops, 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 oops. like they're doing all these catchphrases. <laughs> At what point did it turn into that? Okay, I think the skskskska came most recently from stab culture. So it's basically fandom culture. Stan culture essentially means super fandom. These are online clusters of fans who've developed their own vocabulary when talking about who they stan. Skskskska can be read as a shy, awkward giggle or a random bunch of sounds that come out when you're blushing over your fave, idol, singer, or whoever. And And I Oop was, of course, from a vlog from Jasmine Masters. Jasmine Masters, a contestant on the competition reality show RuPaul's Drag Race, exclaimed in one of her videos. She had this really funny moment where she like got distracted and went, and it was really, really funny to like take these two already existing memes and, and it got amplified in the echo chamber of the trend of being a visco girl. So ultimately a hybridization of random internet trends. Yeah, and I wouldn't say that they were even necessarily internet trends. It was just a collection of things that happened to be popular. So carrying around a reusable water bottle is something that's been popular for a long time. Scrunchies came back around because the 90s and 80s came back around. Same thing with the kind of oversized t-shirt look and the Birkenstocks. So it was just sort of a convergence of things. And then people put a label on what it meant to do all those things at the same time. The name Visco Girl is based off an app of the same name, Visco, a photography app where you can edit and filter your photos. But the thing is, a lot of Visco Girls don't actually use the app. It's more that this app is associated with a certain aesthetic, which became popular and then went on to inform the Visco Girl identity. Lauren admits this can get confusing. But what's even more confusing is that it can be super difficult to tell whether Visco girls are being serious or if they're actually mocking the trend itself. Lauren believes... Yeah, it's both. It's absolutely both. And that's such a hallmark of Gen Z culture is liking something both for liking it, but also liking it for the irony. Like doing both at once is like so typical. So you might see a girl who wouldn't call herself a Visco girl, but like wore three scrunchies on her wrist one day and posted it to her Instagram, the caption, so Visco today. Like that's, that would be a pretty normal expression. Unpacking why the Visco girl is what it is, is also the best way to explain the app that made it go viral. That app is TikTok. How would you define TikTok? TikTok, and it's hard, it's just a short video sharing app. You have lip syncing, you have dance trends, you do have a little bit of sketch comedy. Who is using TikTok? The biggest contingent of TikTok users is teenagers, like people still in high school, 15 to 23, if I had to, I had to guess. Visco Girl TikToks are what you heard at the top of the show. Short videos with girls parading their hydro flasks and metal straws, with their arms completely covered in scrunchies. Before TikTok, there was a similar app called Vine, which was mostly short sketch comedy videos or comedians. 
But the way TikTok has amplified Gen Z culture, and in particular, Gen Z humor, is unprecedented. How would you describe TikTok humor? <laughs> TikTok humor is it's basically a, a replication of the kind of memes and irony that you see. And when I say irony, I should explain. Teen humor is really, they love the idea of irony. It's very self-referential. They know they're being kind of lame or corny, but that's kind of the funny part of it. They know they're being self-depreciating, but that's also the funny part of it. You see it as self-aware humor. Absolutely. I think self-aware is the best way to describe it. And while it might not immediately come across like that, especially if you're not part of Gen Z, Lauren says you have to remember. These are people who have grown up always with a cell phone in hand. Memes are a second language. And Lauren believes this runs deep. And they're living in very strange times. This generation is very much defined by a really catastrophic, worldly uncertainty of climate change. And I see this come up a lot in their TikToks. In Visco Girl TikToks, you can see this when they exaggerate those green products, like hydro flasks and metal straws. And the way they express themselves is by ripping off that and being self-deprecating. And it just comes out in, I think, a really cool and funny way. And once you're in that world, I think it's mostly pretty hilarious. So TikTok humor could be almost seen as a result of of their environment or Gen Z's environment. Oh, absolutely. And I think another key factor that I see is this is a generation that feels so much more comfortable talking about things like mental health, about depression, about gender identity, um, about really serious topics that I think my generation, even a little bit younger, took some time to learn the language around where it comes a little more naturally for Gen Z. And I think it's really interesting to see them make jokes about transitioning or jokes about what kind of mental health medication they take every day or like their trip to the psych ward. There's this hashtag going around called stories from the psych ward where people would just sort of make memes about funny experiences at a mental health hospital that's fodder for humor for them, and they inherently understand it, and I think that's really cool. Paul Byron, a digital cultures researcher from the University of Technology, Sydney, sees this as well, and says queer youth in particular are increasingly being drawn to platforms like TikTok, not just to enjoy the funny content, but to find others like them. Particularly for young people, and more often than not for LGBTIQ plus young people. People are actually moving outside their personal networks and away from friendship groups to kind of get support and information that may be more based on other people's experiences that are similar to their own, but may not be immediately available through their direct friends. It really is more about a community and about talking to each other through your videos and replicating memes. A sense of being heard and sharing space and finding a a tribe or a sense of an audience that is aware of the struggles you might be going through or the situation you might be in. Which I think is really cool that they feel that they can not only be vulnerable about their experiences, but feel safe that they can only be vulnerable 
in a serious way, but in like a joking way where people will inherently understand and empathize and not think that's weird. If you were um, gifted and talented, but also artsy and had a high reading score, you probably grew up to be gay or depressed or both. I don't make the rules. TikTok helping young people connect and share their experiences, Lauren feels is too often overlooked, where the focus is on the eccentric and jarring humour. I think it's very interesting to me because adults are so slow <laughs> to like catch up on what um, how, how the culture is being set on the internet. Like when I first started covering TikTok, it was so many months until you would see a mainstream publication just do a basic explainer of like, what is TikTok? Are our children safe? And it's always approached from this very top-down, paternalistic really demeaning approach of like what are these crazy kids up to rather than looking at it from their level of why teens do what they do visco girls are no exception the way that everybody globbed on to visco girls being like oh my gosh look at this thing look at this crazy trend what does it mean what is it when cultural trends and stereotypes and identities like this among teens have never not been present. Where before the Visco girl, there was the e-girl. Who were sort of in the gaming community, and they had a very particular style, where it was sort of a little emo, a little grunge, a little scene kid from the 2000s. And they would do things like paint little hearts with eyeliner under their eyes, put blush on their noses. They would have this kind of like soft goth aesthetic. To back when Lauren was a teenager... I was 100% an emo kid. Like, I had fishnet sleeves and dark eyeliner and band shirts. And I completely fulfilled the role of what was, at the time, a current teenage culture, moment, trend, aesthetic, whatever. It's just that right now, in this sort of culture moment, they're amplified and replicated and memed in a way that we've never seen before. And also... It's covered in a way that we've never seen before, like me at BuzzFeed, but there's also people like at NBC or Vox. Every publication has somebody now keeping an eye on what internet culture and what teen trends are. So, like, the idea this is totally new is not the case. That being said, there are things that stand out to Lauren about these trends when they become popular online. The main one being only certain voices are amplified. When you see the trend, when you see like photos or people held up as examples of what it means to be a visco girl, they do tend to be white. And I think there's a certain amount of privilege at play as well. This trend is very much about items. If you can afford a hydro flask and you can afford the fashion, your position of privilege just means you also probably have a new high-end phone, which means you're posting on social media. Keep in mind that only certain trends get amplified to this level because of the privilege of those engaging in them. The privilege to buy and afford all that comes with these trends, Lauren sees across a lot of youth internet culture. So I think this generation is really obsessed with consumerism in a way that is part ironic, part not. If you look at the biggest YouTube stars, the hot thing right now is like being covered in designer labels in a way that 
has been cool since like the 90s and that I think is still very gauche to like fashion people this generation sees that and, and associates status with with items if Jeffree Star just released a new makeup line, you got to get it. You got to get this thing and then post about it on your channel. And I think that's very interesting and troubling, frankly. That's what makes the Visco Girl identity so interesting and in some ways contradictory in of itself in that it's about environmentalism. It's about using a hydro flask, a metal straw, thinking about the environment, but in the same way, it's all about buying stuff. It's all about capitalism, which is destructive of the environment. You're totally hitting on something. And I think you have to also keep in mind that when people make fun of Visco girls, one of their favorite phrases is save the turtles, because you're making fun of the fact that they're doing these things, but they're not actually saving the environment. That the Visco Girl is so drenched in irony, self-reference, and contradiction, Lauren says is about as Gen Z as you can get. And while people will drastically try to pull meaning out of these trends, which I guess is what I've done with this episode, she thinks for the most part... I honestly think we shouldn't overthink it too much. (laughs) I think people overthink it a lot. I mean, look, if, if you're somebody who, like, an academic setting that's overthink away. But I think to the average person, just keep in mind that we've always been obsessed with what teens are doing and, and they really set the cultural trends of the day. But if there's one takeaway from all of this, Lauren believes it should be... It's really important to know that there's no Visco boys. And why is that? Well, I think people really love to make fun of girls and everything they like, and that's been the case since forever. I mean, think of horse girls and how people make fun of horse girls as if there aren't boys who also ride horses. It's just when boys do it, it's serious and competitive and meaningful, but when girls do it, it's suddenly frivolous and trendy and meaningless. And no matter how trends change, that always seems to be true, and I think that's that's a shame. So you think people are quick to jump and poke fun purely on the sake that these are young girls and young women? Yeah, absolutely. When girls like something, suddenly it becomes something silly and stupid to make fun of. And that's just not fair. Because everybody likes stuff. Think Digital Futures is made possible with the support of 2SER Radio, the University of Technology, Sydney, and is heard around Australia via the Community Radio Network. Think Digital Futures is made in Sydney, which sits on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. You can subscribe to Think Digital Futures wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jake Morecambe. Thanks for your company.